Coming up, we have our discussion on Skyplex Orlando, and after that, we will discuss the Wizarding World of Harry Potter Diagon Alley, the uh, first in our Universal Orlando 201 series. Live from the Bob Varley studio, this is the Universal Edition of the Diz Unplugged. This is episode 67 of the Diz Unplugged Universal Edition. The Diz Unplugged Universal Edition is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect universal vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hey everyone, welcome to a very special uh, hyped up episode. I think, at least in my opinion, just because this is probably the most hype we've ever had for an episode in general. I am your host, uh, as always, Ridiculous, Craig Williams. And today, I am joined at the table with Jenny Lynn Knopp. Hey, everyone. Back on the controls, associate producer, Rhino Clavin. Hello. And then special guest, everyone knows that he's here anyways, because we talked about it on the Disney World Edition show and uh, also on Facebook last night. All right, get to the intro. (laughs) Our very own Pete Warner. Yes, I walk among you. I was just, I mean, I didn't get to say king among kings, all of that. (laughs) That's all right. Okay, well, I walk among you. Okay, you walk among you. I'm very excited about today's show. Yeah, I'm very, think, very, very excited about this show. I think it's I'm not be usually fantastic. excited about your shows, but this one I'm. Very excited about. <laughs> oh, well, I'm not usually not excited about them either. So, <laughs> it shows. there's two of us I'm there. Kidding. I'm so. kidding. I love your show. Oh, we have an absolutely great show coming up for you. Uh, we're going to be discussing, as I said, uh, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter Diagon Alley. I know we talk about Harry Potter a lot on this show. Uh, there's a very good reason for that. Um, but the, the main reason why we're bringing it up today is uh, because, well, Dizapalooza is coming up this very weekend. Yes, so it is. Uh, this is being recorded right now on Thursday. So only two days away from Dizapalooza uh, at Diagon Alley. Now over 900 people being there, or exactly 900 people. No, it will be more than 900. Over 900 people being there. It's going to be a fantastic time for everyone who's not going. Uh, sucks to suck. So guess that's all I can say about that. Um, <laughs> what that mean? Uh, yeah, I don't know what that means either. Um, it sucks totally to suck. confused. But. <laughs> it's a phrase. Um, it's not a good one, but it no, is. Um, it really isn't. You might want to try a different one. Well, we're going to give you a good refresher for everyone who's coming. So make sure you did download this so you can listen to it on your way into Orlando and uh, get that little bit of refresher before what if you they're already here. Oh, if they're already here, then uh, leave the theme parks instantly. Go home, back to your hotel, listen to it. And then get ready for Diagon Alley. Uh, but before that, uh, we have to kind of get to the the elephant in Orlando, uh, the biggest this issue. Story. How dare you? That has what's that? Just a stupid joke. The elephant in Orlando. Yeah, well, the ele- unfortunately, the elephant in Orlando is no longer me. So <laughs> I'm really happy about There's that. There's a new elephant in town. Yes, a 600 foot tower <laughs> elephant uh, being called Skyplex Orlando. Uh, of course, Skyplex Orlando has, I mean, it's been news since it first originally came out. The tower is going to be approximately 600 feet, no taller. The FAA, no, the roller coaster is going to have a maximum height of 500 feet. The tower itself is 600. However, the FAA gave them clearance 
to be up to 700 feet. Mm -hmm. So they could even go higher if Making they wanted to. the tallest to. roller coaster in the world. Yeah, right? yes. at 501, yeah. it is the tallest roller coaster in the world. And on top of that, there's also going to be a drop ride inside the tower, apparently. Mm -hmm. uh, an observation deck up at the top as long as as well as a rotating restaurant i believe mm -hmm. they said yep. so it's not just the roller coaster on the side of the tower uh it's it's the whole kit and caboodle they're a giant entertainment destination all in one uh that you know some people like universal orlando used uh saying it would be a, an eyesore and it would cause traffic yeah it had nothing to do <laughs> with universal's <laughs> objections nothing at all um yeah no I'll, i'm waiting for your cue to start talking about <laughs> oh this. I, I, i'm i'm gonna get there i'm getting there but i'm so excited uh, yeah. i am so damn excited about this it, it's no surprise universal has been opposed to this basically since day one uh if not even before day one if they had like a little industry inside that this might happen uh it's it's just well, it's, it's, so, I'm sorry. It, it's important. Okay. To, it's important to explain that Universal went to extraordinary lengths to kill this project. Lengths I have not seen a theme park take in the almost 18 years I have lived here. Never have I received in my mailbox at home a flyer trying to kill a project that was paid for and sponsored by Universal Orlando trying to kill Skyplex, encouraging us to call uh, the Orange County, uh, Orange County Commission um, and, and, and uh, give our, uh, you know, come out against the building of this. And, you know, I'm looking at this flyer going, wow, they and I knew, I knew, I knew what they were doing. I mean, it's, you know, it's not hard to figure out. Why do they care so much about this? There was no opposition from Universal when they built uh, the the I, uh, the you know the big massive Ferris wheel. I drive three sixty. I drive three sixty. There was no opposition coming. Why this? Well, we found out. Yes, we did find out. Uh, it's because Universal Orlando is trying to acquire four hundred seventy four acres, uh, just south of Sand Lake Road on International Drive that basically goes from Sand Lake all the way down to right around the Orange County Convention Center. And on this 474 square acres, although Universal hasn't commented on what they would do, it is clear to everyone in the theme park industry industry and universe and uh, anybody however, with a pulse and an IQ above 11. <laughs> uh, it, it's clear that Universal wanted to build the third gate. It's a lot of a lot of people were expecting it. Didn't know where it would be, but well, I I had been saying they were going to have to buy back the property they sold off yeah. when the market turned after nine eleven and Universal Vivendi uh, parted with a lot of acreage over on Universal Boulevard in the I Drive area. That they were going to have to buy that land back. That they were regretting it, and that is exactly what has happened here. Um, the land ended up being sold to an investor who went into foreclosure. It was purchased recently by Colony Capital for a song. I think they paid 40 or $50 million for this, this, this land, which is ridiculous. Um, and lo and behold, Universal is not angling to buy it. They are in contract to buy it. And I believe it was kind of, a, you know, my impression is 
This was kind of a, a, a page out of Disney's book. When Walt Disney created all of these shell companies to buy up the land in Central Florida because he didn't want his name attached to it because he knew the price was going to go sky high. I believe this was an inside deal. Not that there's anything illegal about that. There's nothing illegal about it at all. But I believe it was an inside deal. Have Colony Capital buy up that land because if Universal is known to be the buyer, that price is going to go sky high. And then Colony Capital gets to sell it to Universal. I think the number that's being floated right now is about 200 to $300 million, which is still really good. Colony Capital makes a nice chunk of change. Universal gets the, uh, the land at a reasonable price. And this is why they did not want Skyplex being built. A, it was going to be a thrill ride, which is in direct competition to them. But I think the bigger reason was if the Skyplex deal got voted down, then that land was going to be open. Yeah. And they could poach it. And that's what they wanted. And, of course, the commission voted unanimously uh, to approve the Skyplex project. And then, lo and behold, after, you know, there's all this stuff going on. I mean, if you read the Orlando Sentinel, if you follow uh, Paul Brinkman, uh, Sandra Pettuccini, um, Scott Maxwell, they've done some great reporting on this. Um, You know, this has been a big story going on for weeks now. And lo and behold, after... The, the council votes to approve the project. Then a couple of people on the council say, oh, yeah, you know, by the way, we were told by a lobbyist for Universal that they're in contract to buy 474 acres on Universal Boulevard. Um, the Colony Capital story broke uh, last week or the week before. And I don't remember if I said anything on the show about it. I know I said to you. Yeah, we talked about it. Um, that this is, they're buying this for Universal. Uh, it was clear to me that they were buying it for Universal. And lo and behold, they are. And okay, so all of the all of the business drama aside, all of the palace intrigue aside, there's no question. Five hundred acres of land is more than enough to build a theme park and a hotel or more or a retail district or whatever you want. Uh, when you think about Islands of Adventure, is what 120 acres? Mm-hmm. Magic Kingdom is a little over 100 acres. Uh, yeah, you can put a nice big theme park, a full-size theme park, not the, you know, Diagon Alley. Um, so this is going to be a third gate. And I had said within 18 months, somebody was going to announce one. It was probably going to be universal. And I will continue with that prediction that not only are we going to hear an announcement from universal, but now the gauntlet's thrown down. Disney's going to have to respond. And the only response, Disney cannot let them develop this gate without responding. Star Wars isn't going to be enough. Avatar Land isn't going to be enough. Those were to those are coming up to combat Wizarding World. Disney's going to have to respond with a fifth gate. They're going to have to. I don't see any other way for them to respond to this. And this is what makes me so excited. We're getting new theme parks, people. I don't care that it hasn't been officially announced. We're getting new theme parks. You know, a lot of rumors going around, you know, uh, Universal just struck the deal with Nintendo that this could be a Nintendo-themed theme park. An entire theme park on Nintendo? Well, you know, who's your, who's your market? Who's your market? Think about the, the people that now are coming into their careers um, that grew up with Nintendo. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think it's completely out of the question. It wouldn't be my first choice, but Universal's going to need a strong intellectual property, a la Harry Potter. It's not going to be, I doubt very seriously, it would be a complete Harry Potter theme park because that's just going to cannibalize the two areas they have now. But this deal with Nintendo... Well, where, where, where are they going to go? I, I think. I, well, sorry. I was going to say. I, I, I think that Universal knows they have success with these massive themed areas like Diagon Alley, Wizarding World. You know, all the islands and islands of adventure. I, I think they. If, for me, it, there should be more of that. So I don't know if it's another islands of adventure or if it's just going to be a park with these giant chunks, like a third Nintendo, a third something else, a third something yeah, else. Yeah. Like, I know. I hope for. Yeah, that's kind of what I hope for. That it would be a combination of things. That maybe Nintendo would be a portion of. Well, there's going to need to be just not the whole deal. You know, even with Islands of Adventure, there is a there's a theme running through everything. Yes. Um, There's there's some kind of strand Mm -hmm. of theming that kind of runs through and connects all the all the lands to the you know the 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 larger uh, the larger idea of Islands of Adventure. So they're gonna have you know they're they're gonna have to. If they're going to do that, they're going to have to have that larger that larger theme. Yeah. It's not going to be Nintendo, though, just because they... I mean, even at the pace that Universal can build, they are not going to wait that long to get Nintendo off the ground to wait for a third park. They're going to start building in Universal Studios Florida uh, very soon, I expect. I would say that, you know, my best guess is that's going to come before 2020. Something Nintendo will be open inside... Universal Studios Florida, but on the same time, too, they saw how successful it was splitting up the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Absolutely. There will be Nintendo in the new park, whatever comes out. I don't know how they'll find a way to put it in Islands of Adventure. They'll find a way to put it in Islands of Adventure. There's another piece to this puzzle I think we need to keep, from a business perspective, that we need to keep in mind, where this land is located. Uh, this would be this if I'm if I'm correct about I'm looking at a map of it here and it's kind of hard to tell but um, if I'm correct this area is going to be within walking distance of the Orlando uh, or the Orange County Convention Center yes and that opens up that opens up a very different market uh, Orange County Convention Center sees a ton of conferences and conventions throughout the year. It's a very popular destination. And having something right there that is walking distance opens up a whole new market to Universal that they're not getting right now. Now, a lot of times what will happen, people come down for conferences, they'll bring their families, their families will hop in a rental car or whatever and go to the parks um, but you know the people, whether it's the the, the the wife or the husband attending the conference, kind of does that during the day. Maybe they'll go pop in somewhere at night. Um, Universal is poised here to capture a market that no other theme park right now can capture. I would say especially so if they're planning on building a resort of some sort in addition to the park or whatever is going to be going there. If they have a place where these people that come to these conventions can stay. Oh, yeah. I mean, as well as attend entertainment. There's a speculation that there could be at least three hotels as well as a theme park all in this area uh, if they do it all right. I think that's going to be tough. I think that's going to be tough because one of the things they're going to have to address here is parking. 
and they're going to have to have a fairly massive parking structure yeah. on the site in order to support it. It is separated from the infrastructure that currently supports the Universal Orlando Complex as it is right now. This is this is not like adjacent to that. This is away from that. So they're going to have to build infrastructure to support that. They can't tap into what yeah. they already have. So I don't know that three hotels. Um, plus, they're not going to give up the opportunity for retail and dining. Um, so I think you might be looking at one or two hotels, a theme park. Um, Maybe they'll rip City Walk out and put a, put a new City Walk in there. I think it'll be a different type of City Walk that'll be over there. But think about all those, you know older gentlemen going to conventions down with their business. Yeah. They're going to want some type of entertainment. And there's nothing really there. right No, there's right nothing. there. Well, you've got Point Orlando, but Point Orlando on its on a good day is a ghost town. Mm-hmm. Um, Jim Hill uh, from Jim Hill Media, um, I, I read, uh, he was quoted in one of the articles I read, and I agree with him wholeheartedly. He said, if you're Legoland or SeaWorld, you should be terrified right now. Um, I don't know how SeaWorld can survive this. Do you think Universal would ever go over and try to acquire SeaWorld? There? Well, you know, I, I mean, and they, they would the have buyers? that. They would have all of that side of town. It would be a, 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 a smart, small you know, a look, a smart, a smart move, a smart move on Universal's part would wait would be to wait until um, uh, SeaWorld is just begging for mercy yeah. and they can get it at a fire sale price. Weren't they gonna when they recently sold SeaWorld, wasn't Universal one of the people that was interested in purchasing there it? There was there was rumors about it. I don't know that they ever made an actual overture. Yeah. There was rumors about Universal being interested in buying it, but the price was too high. When InBev bought it, um they were running the price up. At that point SeaWorld was not the damaged goods it is right now. Yeah. Um and so yeah, but I'll tell you something. What'll happen if SeaWorld does go back on the on the block for sale? Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be Clash of the Titans between Universal and Disney to see who buys it. Disney's not going to allow them. But again, you know, I've talked about it multiple times about the, the Comcast has some deep pockets. They have some very very deep deep pockets. They can go toe-to-toe with Disney right now in terms of this stuff. That's why we're seeing this. That's why we're seeing this. But, you know, I, I think, yeah, I think Jim Hill is right that if, if, if you're SeaWorld or Legoland, I would be terrified right now. Um, I'm sure Disney is not ignoring this. Uh, there is going to be, once Universal makes an official announcement, which I believe will come... If I've got a guess, it's going to come spring or summer of next year, uh, probably around the time they open uh, Sapphire Falls mm-hmm. in Kong, or the new Kong attraction. That, yeah. uh, that would be my guess, but I don't know. But there is going to be an announcement coming, and I had said within 18 months, I'm going to, I'm going to narrow that down to uh, six to nine months. Uh, we're going to hear an announcement on a, thir- on a third gate for Universal. I mean, there's no rhyme or reason to how Universal announces things. It could be a random Thursday yeah. where they just yeah, say... Yeah, no, you know, you, I, think, I think Universal has definitely... Uh, watching, watching how they're conducting themselves o- o- over the past few years, especially since Comcast and the success of Wizarding World and Diagon Alley, um, they're starting to get a lot more savvy. Um, they need to learn... They still need to learn, you know, the politics 
uh, of how they do things because there was nothing savvy about how they tried to squash uh, Skyplex. Disney is much, much, much different. Disney's not so nearly overt. Disney doesn't flail their arms at the at the legislature or the commission. Uh, Disney does things very quietly. Disney's more like more like the Godfather, you know. <laughs> so with a look or a, a, a tone, they can affect things. Whereas Universal is more like the local neighborhood crime boss, um, <laughs> who's you know kind of ostentatious and flashy and you know trying to be bigger than he is. Um, but I, I have seen them get a little more savvy with how they're doing certain things in, in terms of the business. And I think they will, they're going to have, they're going to want a lot of eyes on this announcement. So they're going to wait until they have something else to announce yep. and do their, you know, do the Steve Jobs version of, and one more thing. And that would get a, a lot of attention for the announcements that they're making. And of course, a lot of attention on the announcement of a, of a third gate. Um, and th this is something they want to own the news cycle on. They don't want to compete. They don't want anything else competing with it. They want all the attention for themselves. So I think waiting for the summer, waiting for, like I said, uh, some, some big openings when you do have press in attendance, um, I think that would be a good time for them to do it. Then again, you're you're right. I mean, maybe they are just going to wait till yeah. a random Thursday and be like, "Oh, by the way." Yeah. Hey, um, just, I mean, but with a project this size, because you're going to be talking about you're going to be talking about a development project that's going to approach billion and a half to two billion dollars by the time they're done uh, between building the infrastructure, building the park, building the hotels, and whatever else they have to do. Again, they have to create this infrastructure from scratch. Yeah. So this is not going to be cheap, but they must have gotten the green light to go at least a billion and a half on this. When you think about that, that's just a staggering amount of money. Oh, it is. Well, I think about how like Universal is in in a. <laughs> you all right. In a feel lucky a, there. In a spot right now that they can easily attract other in, like it's not just Comcast like the way they do their licensing deals and everything like that that they could get other major. Um, studios invested in these new parks by saying like look what a success we were with J.K. Rowling and Warner Brothers and their thing like, yeah the problem is though the problem, too. here's the problem though you know they'll never say it publicly but I can tell you from conversations I've had with people dealing with Warner Brothers is a nightmare for them yeah it's an absolute nightmare they can't they can't go to the bathroom without having to check with Warner Brothers about, you know, what they're doing. So, I mean, every P, every single, I mean, our credentials for Dizzapalooza had to be cleared through Warner Brothers. Um, so Universal, you know, it was, you know, that's, that's, a, that's enough of a pain when you're talking about one land inside your park. Now you're going to talk about an entire theme park? Yeah. So do you um, think they're going to start using some of their own intellectual properties? I mean, well, do they have, have any that are weighty enough to... I don't know that they have... I don't know. I don't know that they... It depends on what direction they go in. It well, you know. Plus, there's there are other properties out there that won't be such a big pain in the butt to deal with, like the Wizarding World is. That comes from J.K. Rowling just being so passionate about everything that she created, that she wants final say on it, and she wants things done her way. Uh, I don't know that smaller franchises would put up that same fight 
that J.K. Rowling does. But, uh, however, that's also why the Wizarding World of Harry Potter is the way it is. And that's why it is so magical. And it is the most immersive theme park area that I've Agreed. ever been to. So that could be the world. I don't know. I've been to all of them. But, you know, there is a there is a plus side to that. Uh, no we'll question. see what happens whenever Avatar Land opens up and once we start seeing Star Wars no, I mean, we what know they we've, do. We know we've heard about the nightmare that's been for Disney with James, uh, Cameron. James Cameron. Uh, it got so bad at one... I mean, at least the rumor was that it got so bad at one point, the project was nearly scrapped. So... He's also a very passionate person. Yeah. But and you know, in terms of these these IPs, these intellectual properties that are popular, um, you're you're not gonna be able you know, you're not gonna be able to take Hunger Games and, and do a theme park. You're not. You may get, I, think, I think they're building that in Atlanta. They are. Well and that's why. Because it's not it's not gonna it you know, it was it was popular among a certain group, but it does it didn't cross the demographic lines that Harry Potter did, because you had young and old uh, invested in Harry Potter. You don't really have that so much with Hunger Games. Um, you need an intellectual property to support something like this. You need an intellectual property that hits all the demos. You can't just target teens. You just can't. You know, that's why you can't. We're not going to see a Twilight theme park. I was just saying. That's what I'm holding um, out hope for. <laughs> because it just simply didn't have the crossover appeal that. Uh, you know, Harry Potter hat. And everyone said Lord of the Rings right away because there were the rumors and uh, people from Lord of the Rings uh, and all that, they were coming to scout out places in Universal and see how it could fit in. However, at the same time, too, uh, they've had such a problem dealing with the Tolkien's making the movies. Uh, so yeah. they, they, that's already well known just for making well, you movies know what? in a they theme got, park. They got though. Dr. Seuss's widow to sign off on 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 the Seuss Land, Land and and that was, from what I understand, Herculean to get her to sign off on it. So, I think they're that they have a, a a lesser issue with that than they do with finding the property that is going to cross those lines. And you know, you've got to appeal to a wide a wide audience with this stuff. And there just aren't a lot of unicorns out there like Harry Potter. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be uh, too surprised if we saw if this is a new park and they do a Jurassic something. Presence would be there again, like that renewed interest in Jurassic Park. They're making two more movies, and now that's the third highest or second highest grossing movie. You know, they, I, we're going to see more dinosaurs. They're not going to do anything that's going to cannibalize any of their existing properties. They're not. They're not going to put. You know, have a Jurassic Park and you know if they you know if they close down Jurassic Park and Islands of Adventure and then redo it over in a new theme park, absolutely. But they're not going to have like the Jurassic Park land and Islands of Adventure and then do something Jurassic. That would be crazy, because now you're just competing with yourself, and that makes no sense. But you know, I I could definitely see them. They're going to need to do something with Jurassic Park. For as you see, because yeah, that definitely that's one of those properties that does have cross generational appeal, mm -hmm. and a whole new generation was just turned on to it in June with the release of that new movie. So they could absolutely do something with that. They would either have to shut down Jurassic Park and Islands of Adventure, do something with that that space, and and then create something over in this new park, or have to do something in its existing space to make it more appealing. Yeah, because right now it's kind of dated. Well, just going over the list, 
not to get us like too far off, but going over the greatest uh, film franchises with box office revenue and all that. Of uh, you know, of course, you have everything Pixar's done up at top, as well as Marvel. Something tells me Harry Pixar Potter. will not be a part of this. Yeah, <laughs> but in terms of things that I don't think I've ever seen open, but has potential in terms of film ties in, James Bond. There's been oh, nothing no. really ever done. I don't I, think so. I don't I think would, that would. No, I, I don't, don't think know. that would fly. Um, I think uh, something's about to actually happen uh, with those rights too, because um, something just in Canada now they're allowed to make anybody can make the James Bond films are now free. Uh, what's it called? Public domain. Yeah. All the books are, and um, I think something's happening in the next three years with the rights and Barbara Broccoli and all those people. So. I'm not saying I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to swoop it in there somehow, but... Yeah, I just, I mean... Oh, I hope you know, not. That would just be... Universal's so heavy on simulators that I could see doing, like, a James Secret Bond Agent car chase Ryan. easily yeah. with a simulator. Something that I don't think would put past them. Same way we talked about last year with Star Trek rumors. That's oh, still... God, now I that, that I could see a, them doing yeah, something with. I, yeah. That was one that would work. Then uh, going back to like kind of action movies like that, Mission Impossible. Nothing's really happened with Mission Impossible, and Tom Cruise is never giving up on those movies. No, He's they're already keep making them. They're already filming the next yeah. one. Again, next these year, are so. properties that are going to lend themselves well to a themed environment. They may make a nice attraction, but they're not going to support a land or An a whole theme park. park. God, I hope Star Trek happens though. Oh, oh no, 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 no! You, you would <laughs> see that. me. You, I know that. Forget it. Forget it. I'd be out of my mind if they if they said, "Yeah, we're we're doing we're doing a Star Trek yeah. theme park." I'd be out of my mind. No, regardless, it's all very exciting. Yeah, it is. It's all you know uh, that that is the bottom line here. That you know, I've said it before. We're the ones who win here. This is a, an example of the extreme competition going on in this town right now when you have these two titans in Disney and Comcast basically fighting it out. Um, Disney knows that Universal is drawing market share. Disney is still by far the larger player and the more influential player in town. But these companies don't think about where, I'm, where am I now. These companies think about where am I going to be in 20 years. And in 20 years, that dynamic could change. Universal gets a little lucky. Disney slips and falls on something. Um, the, the game can change. It happens in business all the time. Just ask IBM. Just ask AT&T. Just ask, you know, these companies were, were titans at one point, And now, you know, I mean, AT&T had to literally fall apart before it was reinvented again. Kodak. Kodak is an even better example. You know, Kodak dominated the market. And they were slow to act on digital, and as a result, they're pretty much gone. Um, so, you know what they do now is they sell off their they, they sell off their patents. Mm -hmm. They license out their patents. I have a question for you. So, I mean, you've already answered whether you think there's going to be more growth. Yes, you think there's going to be another uh, gate for Universal, and you think that Disney's going to have to answer with another gate itself. Would uh, something? In your opinion, would something be viable such as, I mean, we've heard about Star Wars Land and uh, Toy Story Land coming to Hollywood Studios. What about just, I mean, do you think it would be something like they completely go back to the drawing board with no. Hollywood Studios and begin nope, at they're Ground too Zero? Far, they're too far along. They're too far along in the plans. The plans are laid down. I don't think they're going to go back and say, Disney's not going to be, not going to let themselves be seen as that desperate to react. Politically, they're not going to let themselves be seen because if they go back to the drawing board and they say, okay, now we're just going to do a whole Star Wars theme park, 
um, that's going to look desperate. And politically, that's just not how Disney operates. No, they will, you know, Disney has one of the benefits Disney has that Universal doesn't. There they are many the benefits. <laughs> they, a, they have land. They don't have to go, they don't have to look, go scouring for it. Um, but they have a lot more intellectual property under their control mm-hmm. that they can develop that does have cross market appeal. So, you know, uh, Disney has Disney has many advantages. If Disney decided to really tighten tighten up, come up with the right idea, they could beat Universal even if they announced six months after Universal announces a, a, a third gate. If Disney announced six months later that they were going to do a fifth gate. Disney tightened up and used its resources wisely and was aggressive. They could beat Universal to the opening, and that's what happened uh, when uh, with, with Hollywood, Hollywood Studios, Studios. Um, with Disney M- well, it was Disney MGM Studios in those days. But that was announced that was announced later in response to Universal building a theme park, and it opened a few months before, I believe. So, um, and that's because you know Disney has Reedy Creek Improvement District. They have their own their own zoning board, basically. And that was a deal Walt struck with the governor of Florida back in the 60s when he was making the deal to bring Disney to Central Florida that I don't want any problems with zoning. Uh, Disney doesn't have to worry about going to the Orange County Commission and doing anything or they can, you know, all their land is is here. They've got plenty of land to develop. They have the, they can can build uh, on on their existing infrastructure, their existing roads, um, they provide their own power. <laughs> they source their own water. Uh, Disney has a lot of advantages Universal doesn't have. So if they're smart and aggressive and a little lucky, they can beat Universal to the punch here. And again, at the end of the day, we win. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see what they're going to do with this. I know. It's incredible. And we even forgot to mention the fact that, uh, again, to bring up Sandra Pettuccini last night, she uh, tweeted that the where the 474 square uh, acres are, that that zone allows up to, I believe, 400 feet in height to be built. Oh, and it's also man. already zoned wow. for a theme park, by the way. Yeah. So <laughs> it's already zoned for a theme park. So a lot, a lot of interesting twists to this. And of course, we'll keep following it as everything's coming out and make sure you guys are up to date on everything that is happening with that. But I think we're going to wrap up our conversation on Skyplex. Uh, for now, and we're going to jump into our uh, 201 discussion on the Wizarding World of Harry Potter Diagon Alley. But before we do get to that, uh, Rhino put together a little bit of a video overview for everyone who hasn't been here before, just so you can get a little glimpse. Of course, this will be on YouTube, uh, but for everyone uh, who is watching, they'll be able to see it right now. So, Rhino, roll it. Oh, again, for those of you who are listening to this, please go and watch Rhino's incredible video capturing the Wizarding World of Harry Potter Diagon Alley. Oh, it's nice. Oh, the witches, witches, and... I messed it up. And I just banged the counter really hard. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fantastic. I used to do this... Forget it. I'm done. Okay. I'm out. I'm That's out. happening. So... The Wizarding World of Harry Potter, of course, for everyone who doesn't know, uh, the original one, the which is now deemed Wizarding World of Harry Potter Hogsmeade, uh, debuted in June of 2010 over yeah. in Islands of Adventure. Based on the classic uh, Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Yes. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Starring one. 
Angie Lansbury. Why did you just decide now to be all like funny all of a sudden? Really? Yeah. <laughs> why? Why now? I don't know. So, uh, anyways, uh, yes, that debuted in June 2010, and uh, it, it didn't take long for it to be successful. Actually, it didn't take any time for it to be successful. It was just an instant success, and everyone knew that there needed to be more Harry Potter built. The question was where, and uh, at first, everyone assumed that it was just going to be the Lost Continent. Bulldoze that piece of crap. Get it out of there. <laughs> um, yes, Poseidon's Fury is so bad that it's good, but in general, uh, Lost Continent sucks. So Universal got smart, and of course they said, well, we're going to put it over in Universal Studios Florida, and then, you know, we have the Hogwarts Express that can go back and forth between both parks, making just the most incredible experience in the world uh, whenever you're there. And uh, unfortunately, we did have to lose Jaws for the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, Diagonally, which I, I still miss dear, dearly. Uh, but in general, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter Diagonally is the most immersive theme park experience in the world. And I agree with that statement. Yeah. Even as a hardcore Disney fan, I agree with that statement. No, it, it just is. There's nothing else like it at all. So, I, I mean, it feels. I had like, um, one of our, our listeners, Brian, once described it as. Uh, transportive he said like he would take immersive to the next step and i was like you know what that's a very uh, that's a yeah that's, that's a, a great really way to describe word. it that's the feeling that's definitely a feeling you get associated with it so for sure yeah and uh overall we love it we all love it obviously so we'll we'll try to keep the, keep the geeking out to a minimum during this section but the wizarding world of harry potter opened it seems like it's been years at this point, but it only opened last year, summer oh my last God. year. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it, it debuted to the press back in uh, June 2014. Uh, I was there. Shut up, Brett. <laughs> bragging rights. The only thing I can brag about in my entire life. But uh, no, and then it opened up an early July morning. I can't remember. The, it was July seventh. Um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I think so. that sounds familiar. I went to that one. Yeah, I we was were there at like two in the morning. We were both there, yet we didn't. We didn't know, know each other. We didn't know each other. We didn't know each other we, was there. We might have even bumped into each other. There's, I took video of that day that I never released, so there's a good chance you were in that video. I'm actually, fun fact, in the official uh, so am I. Universal Twitter that day. I'm oh. the group that's enjoying their. Uh, stuff in uh the leaky cauldron it was a really good picture they took of us i thought you were gonna say you were in the official video they released on opening day because i was in that multiple <sighs> times you always kind of so, one up i mean i was always in the background so i was just doing like random things did you, you do a couple of hat. these a couple of points i, I like excited points. i wasn't one of the pointers mm. but uh regardless it opened up then and it is just literally set the standard so high for everything else um so it's not just like Hogsmeade, though, where it, you see Hogsmeade or the castle from far away. Uh, Wizarding World of Harry Potter, Diagon Alley, is so encapsulated in a small area. Rhino used the word transportive. Trans- transport, yes. Yeah, As to transport oneself. As to transport oneself. Yeah. Well, this is a section where you actually do that because from the outside looking in, you're not actually at Diagon Alley. You are... Officially, you start out in London, uh, mm-hmm. just as you would in the actual Harry Potter films or books. Um, so this actually blends really nicely together with 
Universal's overall theme of the entire park because you know you have San Francisco, well, what's left of San Francisco at this point because it's just Beetlejuice and that's only until January 5th. You have New York, you have the World Expo there, you have you have Hollywood. So then London just kind of fits in nice and adds adds to it. Uh and really from the outset, except for the night bus sitting there, you wouldn't it really notice necessarily, anything off. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily look like Harry Potterish, but it's brilliant how you walk behind the facade and then this whole world opens up. Yeah, and you don't even have to go inside. Just from the outside looking in, I already said the night bus. Uh, that includes one of the best experiences that you can find there and that they have a night bus conductor that's out there including one of the shrunken heads that's in the window and i mean you know that from the, i love that shrunken the head fourth too. harry potter movie whenever harry rides third the night bus. third third harry potter movie oh i said third yourself. didn't i you said fourth um I? I don't know i might have I just gotten really I said excited third. either way do you? I love this guy, whoever does the voice, because he goes, oh, what's your name? And I go, Ryan. Oh, hello, Ryan. Yeah, and it's actually, uh, it's think about like something like uh, Crush, uh, whatever it is, over at the Living Sea. Uh, it's Turtle Talk. Yeah, like Turtle Talk with Crush. It's that kind of interaction. There's, there's someone there who's actually making it personal as you're talking back and forth with it. A lot of people just walk up and take photos in front of it with the conductor and stuff, but you can actually go up, interact with the talking head, make yeah, a, a fun ask, little experience. Ask him some questions, yeah. Like, chat with him. Yeah, uh, I know Pete hates it, but uh, Creature in the Window of 12 Grimmauld Place is also one of those nice little hidden details that whenever uh, it first opened up, people would just stand out waiting and waiting, waiting over yeah. and over for it to pop out. Uh, and it's still so many people walk by it to this day that just completely ignore it as well as uh, little sections like the record shop that I love they that. have yeah. to the left of the entrance. Um, just all, all of well, the records have little hidden uh, universal secrets on it, whether it's making a reference to Amity on one of the records or uh including the names of some of the people who actually built it. Rhino? I was going to say, I, I love um, like the telephone booth in front of there, too, because that's also a fun experience. Like It's like, oh, here's this London telephone booth, but if you go in and dial the number for Ministry of Magic, they answer. Just, like, they have like the... What, I don't just remember. magic. Just magic, right? Yeah, if you go in and dial magic. I'm not, the last couple times I've been there, it hasn't worked. Well, somebody broke the phone at yeah. one point, because I was there once and the thing had been ripped out, so um, they fixed it. So I don't, I don't know... Uh, it, it looked like people were going in and doing it yesterday. So Okay, good. I don't know. Hopefully well, it's working again. And then, of course, also on the waterfront, you have King's Cross. But we'll get back to that a little later. Uh, so we'll, let's actually go inside the Wizarding World of Harry Potter diagonally now. Let's do it. It's going to be a good time. Hold so, your hands. I, I mean, you walk through the walls, and you hear the moving wall sound effect. Uh, and... Yeah, it's not as impressive as going through moving walls, and you don't technically enter in through Leaky Cauldron like you would in the films, but well, it's physically that wouldn't be possible with the amount of masses that have to move through. What do you mean? You're, you're suggesting that the brick wall should open for everybody as they go through? I think it should, and I think the entrance should be more realistic to as it is in the movie, but uh, there's just no way for that to happen. Yeah. So uh, you walk through, you hear the brick moving sound effects. Some, again, a detail that most people just ignore. They don't hear it. And that opens you up into this massive world. And the first thing, of course, that you see as you're looking straight down ahead is 
Gringotts Bank in the giant dragon that is sitting on top of it that does breathe fire. I mean, and this is the place where people stop and take the photo, and I would recommend it too, just because like when I went back when this was opening last year and I watched them all in a row, and you like see in the first movie when Harry goes to Diagon Alley for the first time, that spot where everybody's taking the photo, that's the first spot where you see that wide shot of the entire thing, and you're just like, this looks better than the, the movie. This no. This is like a million like the movie looks amazing but you're like i've never felt that way that i've been like even having been on set of a movie this is more than that well i had uh i can tell you uh i got a chance to last september go out to leavesden studios uh which is outside of london which is where harry potter was filmed and they've turned that into an attraction now that you can walk through and see the props and the sets it's absolutely spectacular if you ever have a chance to do it do not hesitate um and you get to walk down the actual set of Diagon Alley. And I had just seen Diagon Alley for the first time a few months before that. I was so blown away by how good a job Universal did in authentically not just recreating what you see on the movie, in the movie, but, you know, again, you know, when they build these sets for films, they only build what the camera sees. Right. So you walk down the set, you know, all the buildings are kind of cut off at the top. And, you know, obviously at Diagon Alley, they had to build out the whole thing. And it really gives you an appreciation for what an outstanding job Universal did with this. And that's exactly what the film talent said whenever they came in and got to see it for the first time. They were used to seeing it on the studio where it was built specifically for filming. So they didn't have to go above and beyond. And then being in that land, they said it's unlike anything else. And it's absolutely true. Um, Of course, it is a little bit bigger than in the movie just because of the amount of people but not too much it still has that same intimacy that you would expect uh on top of it too they actually added more alleys to to make it a more full experience so of course nocturne alley is there and that's in the Mm -hmm. movies but then they also added horizont alley at the top of it going uh parallel along or perpendicular to diagon alley and that's where you know, it intersects with like uh, Gringotts, and then there's the Carket Market Square, which is the entire covered area where there is some shopping opportunities and the shows that happen. I just always assumed those were areas we didn't see in the movie because he didn't go that way. It, it, I mean, and that's a testament to the building of this land is that you're telling me that they added this stuff, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking like just feels like a real place to me like mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't even think of that i'm not positive if horizon alley is referenced in the books i i kind of felt like that's how they were saying it but carket market it was made up specifically oh really for well that's this. cool so I, I know that but yeah and obviously we just already mentioned the first thing you kind of see when you walk in straight dead on is gringotts well that's because it is it's the premier thing it is technically the only attraction that is inside the land itself. Uh, there are two shows, uh, technically three different shows altogether, but there's, there's the Tales of the Beetle, the Bard puppetry, as well as um, the Celestina Warbeck and the Banshees. But Escape from Gringotts is the one true attraction. That is the 4D simulator roller coaster strange combination all meshed into one that happens through Gringotts that follows the events of harry potter uh in the deathly hollows during the gringotts escape sequence and you know although it isn't quite as favored as 
um, Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey, Harry Potter and the Escape from Gringotts is it's good. just spectacular ride. It's a yeah. spectacular ride. ride. Uh, what they took from Gring or what they took from Hogwarts whenever they decided to build the queue. I I do love that queue, but they took it up a notch with this one too. Once you get in the bank and you're in that entryway. And you see just how large and expansive it is. The chandeliers that, alone are massive. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I, without a doubt. And then all of the animatronic, the goblins, go- just working away in there. It's it's breathtaking. And they're very like like in that video, I got up close to that thing, and like you can see the di- like the cracks in the skin. It's just it's amazing what they did with the silicone on top I, of that thing. It, it's unbelievable. And then going through it, uh, your traction experience doesn't end there, and you have the great sequences with bill weasley uh using that same kind of image technology that they Ma- used on disaster name? and uh dominic domino gleason domino gleason yeah. that's it reprises his role as bill weasley yes. in that which is cool uh and from there you go down the elevator to get into the minds of gringotts and that's again just a fantastic sequence using some great screen technology and just a little shaking of the floor uh it, it's perfect and then the ride itself can't say enough good things about it. Of course, there it is not accommodating to people of all body sizes, like some other attractions at Universal Orlando. But again, it's for your safety, uh, first and foremost. Well, I've always had an issue with that. Yeah. Um, you know, creating attractions that, you know, people uh, look absolutely. You know, uh, for me, I'll speak for myself. <clears throat> when I was, I guess, about two forty. I was too heavy to ride. They, I, I, I they wouldn't. I, I couldn't ride. Uh, um, Forbidden journey. Forbidden journey. Really? No, no. Um, and remember, in the beginning, <clears throat> that was before modified seats. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, in the beginning, they had the they had the fat police. <laughs> they were literally pulling people out of line, putting them into a chair in front of people. And then telling them you're too big to ride and showing them the exit. Um, eventually, they stopped doing that and they started making it a little more. A little more they started respectful. being more discreet. They still do it. It's just. They're just more yeah, discreet it, about it. It's, yeah, you learn how to be more discreet. I wasn't there when it first opened, um, but I did, of course, work at Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey for some time. And it's, you know, it's a tough conversation to have. But back when the ride first opened, if the ride stopped at all. It was an instant evac, and it takes at least 45 minutes to evac. So if you tried to get someone on the ride while it was on the moving belt and it would stop, then it, because you couldn't get them off in time. Right. No, end, that's not my, yeah. my problem. My problem is that you design a ride for, you know, look, Americans, we're, we're, we're a fuller figure group. And, you know, walk around a theme park. You know, and this isn't fat shaming at all. I mean, it's just the reality that, you know, a lot of people, I was one of them for many, many years, a lot of people are, are larger. And I know for me, you know, it's that feeling of, you know, I already, I already felt bad enough about my weight. And you have an experience like that, and it's kind of makes you feel worse. I was actually asked to get off a ride at uh, Universal Hollywood uh, on The Mummy because the lap bar couldn't go down to where it needed to go down. And I'll tell you, it was one of the most humiliating experiences of my life, and I've just always felt that Universal never handled that well. 
just never handled it well. Um, so that's always been a pet peeve of yeah. mine with them. And, you know, if you're going to design a ride, don't leave out. You can't, you know, I don't think Disney's ever, I don't think I've ever heard that story at Disney where someone was too fat to ride. No. They, um, I have difficulty with Mind Train. Yeah, Mind Train is the first one that is like that. This is what the, uh, if you're watching, this is what the ride vehicle looks like for the new one. Yeah, for and that's Forbidden the Journey. test seats out front. No, not front. Forbidden Journey, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's the test seats out front for Gringotts. So you can sit in there with the family member, very discreet. Uh, yeah. You know, kids are jumping on it all the time, so anyone can go up to it. All they have to do is, you know, pull it down. If you get the green light, you're good to ride. And so it is, they, they have started getting more discreet about it in a way. But um, it's still, not everyone will be able to ride Gringotts. That's that's just how it is. Um, but as great and as immersive as Gringotts actually is itself, uh, Diagon Alley is really most about the shops and the little restaurants and everything else around. Because that's the majority of what the land is, whether you're talking about Ollivanders, which they took to a complete different level here. So the original Ollivanders over in Hogsmeade was just your one small shop. Now here you have four different rooms that you could potentially go into. So that way the line, I, I still haven't ever seen a line for Ollivanders over at Diagon Alley um, just because they've been able to get people through so easily. I was um, selected to partake, to be uh, the one chose me once recently. And I, you know, I thought to myself, like, no, no, there's two kids in this room. There's no way they're going to pick the adult. You know, that was bad touch, Ollivanders. Um, but there was a. Wand chose me. Yeah, there, okay, that's a world. That's how we'll, we'll call it. The, because they were closing, they were making, they were like, you know what? Let's give this guy, we'll do him. And then I was brought out of the room and they did it again for the kids. So they were just making sure that everybody got included. I thought that was really cool. And it was the wand maker, the whole experience. You're right. Like I've seen it on the other side in the Wizarding World, um, uh, the Hogsmeade. Hogsmeade, yeah. excuse me. Um, and this is a whole new level. Like the the interaction I had with the character, the wand maker, was phenomenal. Like this this lady was amazing. Yeah, and that's part of what happened too. Whenever they brought it over to Diagon Alley, they also added female wand keepers mm. because you never get to actually get your wand from Ollivander himself. Uh, so there's different Ollivander's workers that will be there for you. And they added females. I think it there's one in particular, probably the same one, that it's one of the best shows I've ever seen whenever yeah. she does it. Oh, no, yeah. And with those wands also came uh, a new type of wand. Before, you just could have the opportunity to buy a, a wooden wand or whatever it was made out of. Not wood, but their material. Birch. Now they added brand new wands that actually have the RFID sensor in them well, that's that the, will trigger interactive experiences all throughout the park and also sold for a higher cost. Dollars. Uh, that's the one that that chooses you in the show, by the way, yeah. now, too. But I, I had to get it. It chose me, so I'm bringing that with me. I, I only used it at one thing, so I haven't really used it yet, but I'm bringing it with me to the party on Saturday to, to do all that stuff. I, I look forward to it. I know that. I've got one around here somewhere, yeah. one yeah. of the RFID I, ones. So. I'm going to bring it. It's no, it, I don't think uh, experience at Diagon Alley I don't know if it's going to match my outfit. I'm making a little a little side pouch for mine. That's <laughs> the person I am. Yeah, I, I don't know how to. Yeah, I don't know how to work that accessory yet. You know, You're making a side pouch for your wand. Yeah, a wand sheath. Not an. They call sash. them condoms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God. 
<laughs> a wand condom. Hi, do you have the, the elements to create a wand condom? Sir, we're going to ask you to leave the store immediately. You're no longer welcome at Michael's. Well, I told you, they, they sell those at Bad Touch Ollivanders. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the interactive experiences with the wands are actually amazing. They're, they're scattered through. The wandum. The wandums. Yeah, so the wandums. take your wand out of your wandum and uh, be safe about it. <laughs> okay. Oh god. Um <laughs> they're really cool experiences. I love that uh, I can do that on this show. On the map <laughs> that they give you what it it shows you what to do. Whether it's stuff like the mermaid fountain the that will Sutra. squirt. Oh no, he used the word squirt. Oh god. I hate that the word. The dude that does the outtake videos of us or these shows is gonna have a field day with us. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. Um, <laughs> What's nice, though, I know what you're saying. The map that comes with the wand, it shows you where everything is. It's got the little marks and everything. But what I really appreciate about it is it's a really nice map of Diagon Alley that you could pop in a frame when you get back from vacation. So it's like you get two souvenirs in once with that experience. So Exactly. And cool. do you know the other secret about it, too? Please tell me your, the secret about your wand. There are hidden wand experiences that are not on the map. My mind you can is just, blown right now. You can stumble upon. The markings will be on the ground. Um, so you'll be able to find the markings, but there won't be anything on the map. There still are secret experiences. Do any of you so, really think you're going to have the time to do this Saturday night? Oh, I'm not. Oh. Rhino doesn't take his life serious, so... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what, what I don't know what to expect from just, this. You know, you'll be able to round up people. Let me show you what I do with my wand. Let's do some spells. Oh my! Let's <laughs> <laughs> do spells with me in the corner. <laughs> I'll no longer be working for this podcast <laughs> in the new year. Uh, the restaurants in there. So obviously, the biggest and best one that you could go to is Leaky Cauldron. Serving authentic, semi-authentic, quasi-fair. Uh, um, I love the food here. English food, yeah. I love the food. But again, talking about the details, this is one of those places, even if you're not eating, you just have to go inside this restaurant and look up in the seating area because they actually did cathedral-sized ceilings in there. It's not, it's not a trick or anything. It is just a giant massive room and then it goes even beyond that uh all yeah it has artwork on the walls that makes you feel wrapped up in the movie they have the leaky cauldron itself sitting in the back with the crack in it but then there's just these little touches like right above where you get your food itself they have this great effect using force perspective that makes this building feel so much massive and bigger than it actually is it's a testament to everything that Diagon Alley does right, and um, because of Dizapalooza, we'd be uh, we'd be stupid if we didn't mention uh, Florian Fortescue's ice cream oh, parlor. My God. I would I I this is one of my like you've once you've had this ice cream, it becomes the staple of if you are in this park, you have to get this ice cream because it is that it is probably the best ice cream like I've ever had, and it's free. Well, that's Dizapalooza. 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 It's free. So it's the butter beer. <laughs> Yeah, don't don't walk up on a normal day and say <laughs> the Universal Edition podcast told me that this would be free and expect that. It's not. Uh, but why is Florian Fortescue so good and so special? Because it's not normal ice cream flavors. Yeah, you can get normal stuff, but you can get butterbeer ice cream. You can get the chocolate chili ice Salted cream. Salted caramel blondie. Oh, oh it, God. Just so the good. Earl Grey and lavender. Yeah, that's what it was. I was going to say the lavender. No, every ice cream I've had here, which basically at this point has been all of them, 
it is also special and unique and it just doesn't it doesn't feel like the Ben and Jerry's that they have everywhere else in the park. It doesn't it, over at Disney, you know, you just get Edie's ice cream. That's all it is. You pay $9 for an ice cream cone that you could get three cartons back at home of the same exact thing. But it, yeah, it's all about the experience of where you're getting it. But this is just flat out the best ice cream that you can find in a theme park, in my opinion, especially for the unique flavors like Earl. Hands down. Lavender. Hands I love down. it. Mm-hmm. It's the best. Um, and then... On top of that, they added two new beers here whenever they opened up the Fountain of Fair Fortune and uh, the other dining experiences in there. So you now have, on in both Wizarding Worlds itself, you have three unique beers that you can get. And in the actual Fountain of Fair Fortune uh, shop, where you can get also butterbeer ice cream for those who want to skip the line at uh, Florian Fortescue's, because it's always very long, uh, They uh, there's all these little hidden details that you won't, that you need to look for specifically they put the opening date a lot of places all around in there just hidden you would never notice it unless you really have someone there to point it out so of course at Dizapalooza if you want to see more of these find me I'd be happy to just He'll get be tours where all, all the night, beer is yep. showing you all the cool <laughs> little things around um, it might be fun <laughs> And Rhino, of course, will still be showing off his wand. I know. You're going to be swallowed. All right, take me around. Oh, I I would be more than happy to. However, Rhino will be showing off his wand in the deep, dark trenches (laughs) of of Nocturne Alley. You you just Um, get me. You know me. I do. So there's there's one specific very dark alleyway where he'd be more than happy to pull out his wand and show it to you. Come on over. Most likely, probably right around where the shrunken heads are. Oh, the places I could go. I was setting you up. You just didn't knock it up. <laughs> no, I was just I'm trying to think of a rating. That's all. <laughs> There's a lot that we could push before we have to get the explicit, I think. If any pervs out there think ourselves. we're talking about anything but our wands, you are gross. Yeah. What's wrong with Done. You? Nailed it. But Nocturne Alley, one of the greatest areas that you could possibly go into in the entire It is so amazing. Alley. Uh, they, essentially, they just took the area... It's covered up with a roof, but it feels like night all the time. And it has that deep, dark, mysterious aspect to it. I, I love the floating clouds they have, like, on the ceiling. So it, it, you, like, you've gone inside, but you don't know you went inside almost. You could you could accidentally just walk in and be like, it got real dark. Real oh, yeah. It's the same Pirates of the Caribbean effect. They went the to ceiling. great detail with that area to the point that the temperature changes Oh, yeah. Going into the alley. A lot of people go into the alley so that they can cool down, actually. I know, and it, it's a shame. I mean, yeah, Morgan and Burks is in there. My personal favorite shop in uh, Diagon Alley itself. That's yeah. a fantastic shop. Weasley's Wizard Wheezes is great, and we'll get there. But Morgan and Burks is the coolest shop. That's where you got all the dark art stuff. That's where they have a replica vanishing cabinet mm-hmm. complete with bird tweeting away in gotta, there. you got to touch the handle when you go in. Yeah. Because you can, you can feel it. Yeah, and... Most importantly, in there, you have to find the hand that's in one of the uh, cases and mm-hmm. go up and see the hand. I'm not going to tell you what happens, but it's in there. It's a really cool experience. Uh, just overall, a great shopping experience. And there's a lot of, there's like the Bellatrix Lestrange moving poster in this area. There's also uh, one window in particular that you'll want to look in. Uh, it's right across from where you can do the wand skeleton effect. Just turn around. Look into this little room through the windows. There's a lot of really cool, amazing uh, little hidden details and touches that you don't want to miss whenever you're in there ever. Uh, moving back outside, we'll hit Weasley's Wizard Weed because it's by far the probably the most popular shop that you'll ever find in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter Diagon Alley. Uh, 
everyone was really hyped for this because it's it's the fun joke shop. It's just like what you see in uh, in the movies, obviously at a much smaller scale. But fireworks are on the ceiling. You have the puking pasties. Everything that the Weasley brothers, the Weasley twins, created for their popular shop. Uh, I love the effect that they have on the outside with the guy that um, the Weasley brother, when he lifts his top hat, sometimes the rabbit is underneath it, and sometimes the rabbit is not. And then it's not always a rabbit. It's sometimes oh, a, it's another thing too. Yeah. Fun fact. I Fun fact so. for you. Uh, it's, uh, I like whenever it works. Whenever it doesn't work, it's just a little bit boring. But there are just so many things to look at in here. Every time I go in, I get mesmerized by the, uh, the umbrage on a unicycle. It's oh, yeah. just traveling mm-hmm. back and forth through the ceiling. It's like just you stare up, you start drooling all over yourself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or you do. Maybe I just, it's just me? Okay. <laughs> just you. That, that part's a, just you. Uh, she got a Craig. thing for Dolores. My, my favorite snacks sold in there, the You Know Poos. They're just green M&Ms, but I love having a jar on my desk sitting there saying You Know Poo. I gotta say, the people, like, if you if you haven't noticed this from the photos and the videos that we've done, like, the, the, I, the, I don't know the word, the calligraphy that's everywhere and, like, the jar, like, the packaging to all this stuff, it's just so authentic that I wish it was carried through into real life, too. Like, I wish we had buildings that were painted this way and, and well, like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, all the design work was done by Mina Lima. Uh, they started on the movies designing basically everything you see that has any text on it, maps, all of that. Uh, they created the Marauder's Map, the invitations to the schools, uh, the the Hogwarts Express ticket. So, And they've been brought back to do everything with the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. And uh, they will be featured again for the third time at a Harry Potter Celebration of Harry Potter and show off a lot of their work that you may not even realize that was something that they did. It's a very cool uh, presentation. And we have two years ago up on the website, so I'll make sure to embed it in the show notes page, disunplug.com. Uh, other cool things to go into here, of course, is uh, Madame Malkin's Robes for All Occasions. That's where you'll get to see uh, some of the costumes. And if you're confused about any of the costumes that are inside this shop, uh, just ask any of the team members working inside. They'll be able to tell you a little bit more about uh, what everything is in there. But really cool stuff. Um, one of my favorite shops in there is the, Wiz- the Wiseacres Wizarding Equipment. Wiseacres Wizarding, I can't remember the name. Wiseacres Wizarding Equipment. You said it right. I said it right. Okay. Yeah, right there. Uh, I was hoping you would put up a photo so that way I could. No, I was. I wanted to see if you myself. could remember it by yourself. This is what I refer to as the jaw shop because uh, part of the ceiling is they have all these uh, intricate uh, pieces hanging up in there, and some of the props in this room are actually reused. Uh, part of the Jaws ride track equipment that they use to manufacture uh, all different things around the room. They have some of the stuff they found in storage using like uh, film equipment that they had on the Universal lots there that they just weren't using that they repurposed for this room. So in terms, like, it's another place where you'll just go and you'll sit and you'll you'll stare at everything around. There's just so, of course, the merchandise is great itself, but all of the little hidden things inside are also just magnificent. Uh, and then right outside of that area, too, you'll find um, the Gringotts Money Exchange, which if you can't go into Gringotts and get up close to a, one of the goblins, one of the elves, you'll actually be able to come in here and get very close to it. And this is 
absolutely one of my favorite places to be in Diagon Alley because uh, the actual the the bank exchange goblin that's there he will actually answer questions for you as long as they're not so like bizarre out of left field like if you say what's four plus four it's not going to answer eight but if you ask well where's the closest restroom then it'll he'll be able to tell you they go out and then walk that. down to the right oh yeah no that's cool it, it'll answer any of your questions as long as they're specifically related to the wizarding world if not there's a fun little response that uh you'll you'll hear from it don't go too far down the street because we didn't talk about the menagerie oh Did the we? magical menagerie yeah. uh in terms of like little animatronics in in this shop, this is one of the most impressive. Uh, it starts on the outside and kind of it's to the left of the shop. You'll find the snake that was also in uh, Rhino's video that video that speaks Parcel Tongue mm-hmm. uh, to you. And again, a detail they didn't need to add at all, but just they went for it. Uh, inside the shop, as you're looking around on the roof, uh, some of the creatures that are in the inside are actually going to. Um, I think they're going to be featured in some of the Fantastic Beasts movies. Yeah, that's the and, rumor. Yeah, so there's they're going to be added in that way. So they may not be important right now, but they will be important in the future. So look at everything in there. Uh, there's great little nods, like a, a cat that's moving around. There's this weird thing hanging on the ceiling that's just like a white box. But if you look closely enough, there's all these little mice running around in it. It's just, it, to drive the point home, you have to go into every store. And actually take the time and look around. And and it's not just in the stores that he's talking about. So the parcel tongue you were you were you were talking about, I didn't notice before, but like I stood on the doorstep of the Daily Prophet and again, the same idea with like the parcel tongue, you can only hear when you're in that one spot, but you can hear people talking about the Daily Prophet in through the door. You can hear them say, like, Stop the presses, this is the headline. Oh yeah, no, so it's, it's cool. just it's again, immersive. Mm-hmm. Everything around you is just throwing you into this experience. Uh if you're coming to Dizapalooza, you'll be able to see, I believe, only Celestina Warbeck and the Banshees. I don't think we have the Tales of the Beetle the Bard performers being there. That's a shame. But the, the a other shame. one's good, though, too. Oh, I, yeah. I figured you would love Celestina. Oh, yeah, she's great. So she'll be performing sets there, too. Uh, Tales of Beetle the Bard, though, is just it's a mind-blowing show. show. I love it. I love the puppetry. Yeah. And just, it's fantastic. It's it translated like beautifully from uh, from screen to like uh, an actual puppet. Show. Like I, I I hope they sell these puppets eventually. I'm because sure they'd be very expensive. All the but. puppets of the show are based off of um, the animated sequence in the Deathly Hollows because that's one of the shows that they perform. They perform the uh, Tale of the Three Brothers. Yeah, they perform the Tale of the Three Brothers there, and so that's that's where it started with getting this idea for what the puppets would look like and uh the puppeteers themselves i don't think anyone actually before they started had like significant puppetry experience they were all kind of trained into it but it's a fantastic show um overall and the fountain of fair fortune which took a while to come out because they had to do script rewrites it eventually made it's a great show again we have videos of both of those that i will make sure to include in the show notes so you can see them uh and last but not least in terms of what you'll get out of our uh whole disapplusa experience or just um the wizarding world of harry potter in general would be the hogwarts express uh so it is on the outside back in the london section but 
the big important part of this is, as we said before, it takes you back and forth between Hogsmeade and then Diagon Alley in a brilliant, brilliant move by Universal. And uh, I, I still have never been over to England. I've never seen the original King's Cross, but from what I'm told, it does. Yeah, like you walk like in, and because one. it has, it definitely, it definitely evokes, it definitely evokes the the uh, the image of King's Cross. Um, I didn't. I, I've been in King's Cross. Um, I. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it does Pretty a good. decent job. Pretty good, yeah. Uh, and, I mean, the inside, it's just, you. it's this nice blend of making use of it. It has to have lines in there, but they also add these little touches in the movie. Uh, the the one billboard in... The magic, it was in the video. Yeah, the magic in the video. You'll find that in Harry Potter 6. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just look around at all the luggage that's inside the main building, too. And you'll see, you know, some initials that you might recognize from characters on the movie. You'll even be able to see Hedwig sitting on a suitcase that says HP on it. So all these all these little details to see as you go through there. And then the fact is Hogwarts Express is such a cool experience. One of the only attractions at Universal where you can actually take a beer on and just be sitting there drinking what? back and forth. You forgot to mention how what? you passed through the wall oh. for the nine and three quarters wall. I did. I did. Which is a brilliant move on their part, something that I wouldn't have even imagined them putting in. But it's just fantastic. Yeah, it's it's an experience that you have to watch other people go through it to appreciate it. You're not going to just be like... You can't see yourself do this. But, but everyone else who's watching you, it's absolutely wonderful. There's a corner that you have to turn in the queue. And if you're watching through a certain glass panel of that corner, you can <clears throat> see the people ahead of you in line passing through the wall. Yeah. I mean, it, it looks like that. It looks like they're passing through the wall. It is. And again, to drive the point home, all these little details that go into Diagon Alley that make it the most immersive experience at Universal and potentially in any theme park. And uh, so the only thing I can stress is anytime you're going in here, look around at everything uh, and just try to get yourself wrapped up into it. Even if you're not a Harry Potter fan, uh, there are so many things to appreciate as a theme park lover in here that uh, you will just you'll walk away being stunned so and everyone coming to dizapalooza on saturday night uh i, I hope you're gonna love it just as much as we all they do. will they will if oh, you yeah. don't there's something wrong with we them. are so excited uh to be throwing this uh throwing this party on on saturday night i know john has put a enormous amount of work into putting this together for us and uh I'm I'm so I love these I love these events I love being able to do these events it's one of the things that I it's definitely one of the highlights of my job being able to do stuff like this we have a lot of friends going to have a lot of a lot of our friends there as well it's it's just going to be a great uh, be a great night it is so that's going to wrap up our conversation about the Wizarding World of Harry Potter Diagon Alley the first entry to our 201 series and next. Uh, January, we're going to be starting off strong and going through more of the lands and talking about them a little bit more in depth than we did in our original Universal and Islands of Adventures 101s that we did. Uh, so, uh, obviously, look forward to that in the future. Uh, other things that we need to talk about in our housekeeping before we wrap things up here. Uh, if you didn't hear about it on the Disney World edition or the trip yesterday, on December 22nd, uh, the Diz and Diz Unplugged is going to be holding a special screening of Star Wars The Force Awakens uh, here in Orlando. So there will be some, a little bit less, or how many tickets again? I don't remember. We, we have 100 tickets available. 
Uh, see, well, uh, the theater will hold 100 people. This is a fundraiser sponsored by Dreams Unlimited Travel to raise money for Give Kids the World. 100% of all money collected from this will be going directly to Give Kids the World. Uh, I have personally uh, committed to match up to $2,500 of what's raised. And shortly after I announced that on the show, one of our, our good friends from Dallas, Scott Pontikas, Scotty P., agreed to match my match. So we're gonna, we can raise some really good money uh, for Give Kids the World on December 22nd. It's going to be $35 per person um, to see the movie with us. And uh, we have 10 spots that we're keeping aside uh, at $150 each, not only to see the movie, but also join the team for lunch afterwards. This is going to be at uh, Point Orlando on International Drive at the Regal Cinema. And uh, that is 10 a.m. on December 22nd. Tickets will go on sale Monday morning. And uh, really hoping you can join us, raise money for a great cause right before Christmas. So if you're going to be in town, please come and join us. Yep, and most of the team will be there with some uh, few exceptions, like Rhino. Mm-hmm. So you already know that, though. Um, and in general, of course, members of the team, if you only watch this show, which I doubt it, uh, but if you do, you might want to check out any of the other shows. And you can find all that as well as the show notes for this show at disunplug.com. Uh, that's where you have anything, any links to the stuff that we talked about today that we feel like you need to see a little bit more. And then you'll also be able to find the shows of uh, the Disney World edition, the Disneyland edition, the trip, and Connecting with Walt, which will be returning in January with more episodes as well, too. Uh, of course, remember to follow us on social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. Instagram, thank you. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to us on iTunes as well as YouTube. And, of course, importantly, leave feedback on all those. We can only get better and stop sucking if you will leave us feedback and tell us what to start doing right. You're implying that we suck. I, he implies that every week. I like Rhino, to set the bar low surprise. and then let them tell us that we're doing okay. That's how I boost my ego. <laughs> and, of course, before we go, thank you so much to everyone out there who took the time to watch or listen to this. We really appreciate it. And we'll be back with you next week uh, for another episode. We'll be talking about the uh, holidays at Universal and our experience with that. Uh, but until then, we are going to say goodbye. And remember, magic is universal. Oh.